It's the launch of our North Dallas campus today. So incredibly excited about this. North Dallas, we love you so much. That's actually where my beautiful hot mama piece of dark chocolate wife is uh, today. She is at that North Campus. Love you so, so much, honey. Love the whole team up there. We also have Bishop Arts Oak Cliff that has been going for a few weeks, and it has been phenomenal. Incredibly excited about all that God has on the horizon. Uh, Oak Cliff, that's my hood. Now you know. Now you know. Hey, we're starting a brand new series today called This Is Why. As we get prepared uh, for Easter, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. If you did not bring your Bible, we're actually going to put the scripture on the screen so you can follow along with us. Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1 and go all the way to verse number 10. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I, I, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied. As, I was, as he commanded me, and breath entered them, they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. The title of today's message is Chosen and Confused. Chosen and Confused. If you are a parent or you've been a babysitter at any point in time, and you are watching some kids, and you walk into a room at some point in time, you ask yourself the question, what happened? What happened in this room? When I walk into my three-year-old's room, there are plenty of times I've walked in and I see a baby and her doll has been ripped off of her head or there's something brown or red or yellow on the ceiling or the drapes have been colored in. I, I, what happened here? When I'm reading this passage of scripture, I try to insert myself into the Bible. I don't want to read it. I I, I want to live it. I want to breathe it. I want want to walk amongst it. So uh, I, I insert myself into this text. And I'm thinking, as I'm watching Ezekiel walk back and forth among these bones, what happened? What took place? What did these bones used to be? Because you know, like I know, when someone is alive and then they die, they then decay into bones. You don't start off as bones. 
Bones are not a picture of what will be. Bones give you an indication of what was. So what were these bones? Who were they? What did they represent? So I'm walking with Ezekiel this past week through all of these bones and trying to smell and and feel and, and figure out what's the story of these bones. Because perhaps at some point in time, they were, they were up, strong, alive, working, vibrant, full of vision and destiny. But now they have decayed and gone the opposite direction. Um, I was thinking about some marriages that might be with us today. Whether North Dallas, Bishop Arts Oak Cliff, or at White Rock. And, and you remember when you said, I do. And then you went on that fantastic honeymoon and you got sick because you were in Mexico and you're never going back to Mexico again, maybe. And, and you, you, you have those memories and it was wonderful and beautiful. But now if you're honest with your life right now, you would say your marriage is dry bones. There was a time it was vibrant. There was a time it was alive. But it's descended into decay and dry and weary. Maybe some of you, uh, you remember a day when you, you had a lot of confidence. You know, you were, any job interview, you knew you were going to kill it. When you were at school, you knew you were going to be the best. You, if you had a presentation to do, you were going to slay that presentation. You walked places with confidence, with your head held high. But maybe an injury or maybe a layoff or maybe a breakup has somehow, some way impacted your confidence. And if you're honest with yourself right now, you would say when it comes to confidence, it might as well be dry bone dry, no life. And you can even fake people on the outside, but you know on the inside, things just aren't right. Maybe, maybe it was a business that was once going the opposite direction, but the industry changed, things adjusted, uh, your customers started going uh, someplace else, and now, now what once was really, really vibrant is just a bunch of dry bones. Here is Ezekiel, and God has placed them amongst these bones, and they're walking back and forth among them, and you and I are all used to things going from alive to dead. We get that. But the announcement with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is that the gospel actually has a different progression. It is not one where we go from life to death. It's actually one where we go from death to life. That is what the gospel has done for all of us. And this announcement is very, very important because when you and I are facing dry bones in our life, you and I think things are final. You and I think things are over. But God does not look, like, does not look at death as if it's final. He looks at death as if it's an opportunity. It is an opportunity for him to show off who he is and what he can do. So now, now he's, he's in this, this valley. God sets him in the valley, by the, the hand of the Lord, by the spirit of the Lord has set him in this valley. And when I'm, when I'm thinking about him being in this valley, I'm also thinking about Luke chapter 4. And you can read it later. Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness. Wilderness. Valley. These are two places that none of us are praying we go to. 
And then when I was like, Lord, my life is going so good right now. <laughs> Things are on the up and up right now. Lord, what I would really appreciate, a wilderness. God, can you give me a valley that I can walk through right now just so that you can show me how good you actually are? There's not one of us in here that are praying that prayer. There's not one of us who are watching online today that are praying that prayer. All of us are trying to avoid valleys as much as we possibly can, trying to get around the wilderness. But the problem is, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ and you're to become everything that he's calling you to be, you and I do not get to circumvent valleys and wildernesses. We have to walk through those things. This helps us become who God wants us to be. And I know it can be a little bit counterintuitive, but you know this to be true. You know many times your greatest growth comes in your seasons of greatest pain. You know there's like a development that happens on the inside of you when you're going through struggle. And I know we don't want to admit it, but these are times in our life where we actually are getting better and stronger. And it hurts like H-E double hockey sticks. But man, you know you are getting stronger and you're getting better. And this thing's trying to take you out. But you're like, no, God's on my side. I, this thing will not take me out. I... Uh, I know we like to, to get around uh, valleys because we like to look for the sh- shortcuts. But, but there are no shortcuts to becoming all that God has called you to be. My friends, this is not a sprint. It's definitely a mar- marathon. In the words of Nipsey, it's a marathon. It's you and I understanding that we are in this thing for the long haul. You and I cannot think, God, give me some microwave Christianity. Give me something that's a quick fix. Give me something that costs me nothing. No, my friends, if you are to be who God has called you to be and do all that God has called you to do, understand that the wilderness and the valley is part of our development. Now, um, there's this story in 1 Kings chapter 20. You can turn there, those of you who have your Bible. I encourage you to read the entire chapter later this week. I I think it will will encourage your heart. But in 1 Kings chapter 20, I'll set it up for you. Uh, There are, uh, there's the king of Aram and the king of Israel. Now, uh, to simplify it even more, the king of Aram would be the bad guy and the king of Israel would be the good guy. And Aram comes to Israel and says, hey, give me all your stuff. And Israel says, you can't have it. And they end up getting in a battle. Their armies fight. And Israel defeats Aram. And Aram's trying to figure out, hey, what happened here? How did this take place? How did that wimpy small nation defeat us? Well, look at this. First Kings chapter number uh, 20, verse 23. Meanwhile, the officials of the king of Aram advised him. His counselors came to him and said, their gods, the children of Israel, their gods are gods of the hills. Some of your Bibles might say mountains. Their gods are gods of the mountains. That is why they were too strong for us. But if we fight them on the plains, if we fight them in the valley, surely we will be stronger than they. So they're, they're, his advisors are telling him their God is a God when things are going good. Their God is a God when they're on the mountaintop. Their God is a God where everything is in order. Their God is a God when everything is neat and tidy. Their God only works when they are on the mountaintop. But if we fight them in a different place, if we fight them in the valley, we will surely take them out. 
So you would think God would go, okay, no problem. I know who I am. I'm not going to let them get in another battle. No. What he does is allows the children of Israel to go into another battle. But this time, it will not be on the mountaintop. This time, the battle will be in the valley. And look what God says. The, verse 28, the man of God came up and told the king of Israel, this is what the Lord says. Because the Arameans think the Lord is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I am the Lord. What God says here is I'm actually going to let you go through the valley and give you victory in the valley to prove to your enemies that I am the God that is the God of the mountaintops and the valleys. So why might you be walking through what you're walking through right now? It might not just not be an announcement for you it might be an announcement to all of your haters that the God that you serve is a good God a good father whether your body is healed or your body is riddled with cancer he's still good whether you got a lot of money in the bank account or you are broke right now God's still good whether you're at the top of your game or you're just starting off God is still good what we discover in this passage of scripture that we do not serve a God that's just filled with rose petals and skittles but we serve a God that is willing to be with you and give you victory when you get cancer as your diagnosis when you lose a child when you're not sure which way is up that's the God that you and I serve in any Christianity that would try to be given to you would tell you there is no valley they're lying to you it'll stunt your development and it'll stop you from being all that God has called you to be See, the reality is, even though I walk through the valley, come on, this is Psalm 23, verse number four, even though I walk through the valley, I don't get to go around the valley. I've got to walk through the valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's death all around me, but I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, valleys, I actually, uh, thinking about this this week, I think they're pathways to progress. It's actually an opportunity for you and I to grow. Now, it usually doesn't work out that way. Because usually we get jaded in the valley. We get angry with God. We think, why would he let this happen to me? We think he must not be for me. Why bother If I'm in the same situation they're in and I love God and they don't love God, then this whole thing must be a farce. These are the type of lies that come into our heads. And the reality is God is trying to purify and God is trying to cleanse and God is trying to shape and God is trying to mold and God is trying to help you become who you actually want to be but don't even know you want to be. But God knows the dream that he has for your life. This is how God works. He does some of his best work in the valley. When he has his hand on your life and mine. So if you're in a place right now where you're praying prayers and they're not being answered, I want you to know you might be in a valley, but God is with you in the valley. And if you're in a place right now where you're just utterly confused and not sure which way is up, please understand God has not forgotten about you at all. 
I talked about our, we are launching our North Dallas campus today, which again, I'm incredibly uh, excited about. And up at our North campus, uh, Ben Stokes is our campus pastor there, okay? I love Ben and his wife, Casey. They're fantastic. Now, if you meet Ben or have met Ben and North Dallas family, you're going to come to know this. Um, they're really pretty people. Very, very pretty. Okay. Just call it like you see it. Pretty people. But I've seen the pictures when they weren't so pretty. I've seen the pictures with Ben with cornrows. And he's a white guy with cornrows. You know you're walking through a valley. <laughs> okay, okay can, we, can we just keep it real for a second? You're walking through a valley if you got a pit bull and cornrows, okay? Now, now, Ben, again, Ben, you're awesome and wonderful and handsome, articulate and sharp. Uh, I'll let him share the full story another time, but, um, but honestly, when Ben was just a little boy, his mom literally walked out, literally walked out of his life. And he, he can share the details with you. But just to give you a little look-see into that moment, He's on his bed as a little boy pleading with his mother. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go. I'll change. I'll change. Eight years old. This is not, I'm a teenager and I'm I'm creating hell for my family. This is a mom who just felt utterly overwhelmed. It did not feel like she could do it anymore. And walked out on her child. A valley. Ben's grandmother and grandfather took him in. And like, this is not an excuse, but I think we can understand, he did go off the rails. He made a lot of foolish decisions and ended up in some places he wished he would never have ended up in, places he wished, he hopes his kids never go to. But he had a praying grandmother. Grandmother kept saying, hell, you can't have him. A grandmother kept saying, God, you've got a plan for his life. A grandmother kept saying, God, grab a hold of his soul. I, I, I see the call of God on his life. A grandmother that said, I'm going to believe and I'm going to stand even though he's in this valley right now. I know that God is going to take him out of this thing and put him on a firm foundation. A grandmother that stayed on her knees when her grandson wasn't coming home at night. A grandmother that kept knocking on the door of heaven. And it was so, so beautiful. Last week at our soft launch at our North Campus, his Mimi came rolling in on her wheelchair and she came around the corner and was able to see her grandson that she had prayed for for so long stepping into the call of God on his life. This is the power that you and I find in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power that we find in being connected to a healthy local church that will spur you on to become all that God has called you to be. We are we're in this, he's in this, this valley, and the valley is full of bones. I'm going to be honest with you, I was reading this passage this past week, and I saw the valley being full of cupcakes, because my wife has me on this meal plan. That's not a good meal plan. <laughs> there were no, I love you, honey, but there's no cupcakes on this meal plan. <laughs> 
and I'm praying for cupcakes. They're made with like milk, right? And eggs. So they, I, I think it's good, but there's, there's, no, there's no cupcakes. So I saw just a valley of cupcakes and me dancing in them and me saying, yes, God, these cupcakes can live, but, but it's not cupcakes. It's bones, dry bones, very, very dry bones. I like the description that Ezekiel is giving us here. He's trying to immerse us in the story. He's trying to paint a clear picture that this is, this is a hopeless situation. It's hopeless. It's not like they've just been dry for a little while. They've been dry maybe for years. Sun parched. Dust covered bones. And whenever you and I are reading the Bible, understand that there is a message to the people that the book was originally written to, okay? So you don't want to take things out of context and make it mean something that it's not supposed to mean. So it's written to the Jewish people, and there is a message to those folks in that day. I don't have time right now to go into what that message would have been for them that day. But also what we know about the Bible and what we know about life is it actually revolves around Jesus, that he really is the main character. So when you and I look back into the Old Testament, you and I find types and shadows of Jesus all throughout Scripture. Here, Ezekiel is a type and a shadow of Christ. Here is a man sent from God, standing in the middle of bones, and he's called to speak to them. Now, bones to a Jewish person makes them unclean. But here you see this man who is ceremonially unclean, standing in bones, brought there by God and asked to do the miraculous in the bones. And this is what Jesus Christ did when he walked on the earth. He came into dry bones, your life and mine, and he would have been unclean. But our Savior still spoke life and strength over you and I, and we came together to new life. But not only is this a type and shadow of Jesus, it also is a message to Christ's followers, you and I. We are in this series called This Is Why. This is why we are here as the body of Christ. We are not here to be some spectators. We are not here to be armchair quarterbacks. We are not here to be Twitter critics. We are not here to judge everyone that comes by us or does ne- never comes near us. We are here to be the ones that are willing to stand in bones in our generation and say dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord and we are the ones that speak hope and life so whether it's your school or your job or your family, whatever it may be, you and I are the ones that become the mouthpiece of God in our generation. And you thought you just were supposed to go to church on Sunday. So now there are these bones that are very dry and he's told, speak to them. It makes no sense. It makes no sense to speak to bones. Okay, can we just be honest? Some of you guys can feel that even when we're worshiping on Sundays, you're like, man, why do lifting my, oh, lifting my, ah. you feel like it makes no sense, but there's a whole lot of things that make no sense. And then God still calls us to do it anyway. 
Because he's a God that is outside of, okay, not opposed to, but outside of this realm, this world that we live in. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It doesn't make sense to speak to bones, but it doesn't make sense to open your home to foster kids either. But God still calls his people to do it. It doesn't make sense to go back to school. And it doesn't make sense to use your vacation time for a missions trip. And it doesn't make sense for you to get a call on a Monday about a baby that was left in the hospital and then to have that baby in your home by Friday, then to choose to adopt that baby like my wife and I did just a few years ago. It doesn't make sense to do that, but God still calls us to do those things. It doesn't make sense to love when you're stabbed in the back, and it doesn't make sense to keep going when you want to quit, and it doesn't make sense to praise when you're still in the middle of the problem, and it doesn't make sense to give 10% of your money to God, and it does not make sense at all to count it all joy when you're going through trials and it doesn't make sense to pray for your enemies and do good to those who hate you but God is in the business of doing that which does not make sense and if you and I want a God that we can wrap around our little finger and we can dictate the terms to then you're God and he is not so here we have a God that keeps doing the things that don't make sense. A few weeks uh, uh, ago, we had our, our, our marriage hangout night at our White Rock campus. It, it was so much fun. Hundreds of married couples uh, came together. It was totally a spur of the moment thing, and all of us came together. It was a wonderful time. I, I told um, quick, quick uh, advertisement, okay, quick aside. Uh, I told all the single people in our church because I don't want single people thinking there's not a place for you here, okay? Like, yeah, married again, married hangout. Okay, hey, single and young adult, we got something for I told you I had something for you. So on April 28th, we've got Rick Wilkerson Jr. that's going to be here with us on that Monday night. It's going to be a fantastic party. I want you to make plans uh, to be here. This is just for single and young adults. So married couples, leave. Stay home. <laughs> but on that, at that marriage night, at that marriage night, Chris and Ashley walk up to me. I had met Chris months ago. Chris said to me in the hallway, I'm just saying hi to people and shaking hands and trying to, you know, love on folks. He said, hey, pray for my wife and I. We're separated right now. She's filed for divorce. It's over. But pray for me. I said, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you, Chris. I'll pray for you. That was my conversation with Chris. Little did I know that his wife somehow, some way, had filled out a connect card. Somehow she made her way to church, filled out a connect card, and one of our staff folks got in contact with her. Carrie got in contact with her and said, hey, hey, you want to sit down and go to lunch? They go to lunch or go to coffee together. They're sitting down at coffee at lunch, and she begins to hear the story of Ashley and Chris, and all of Ashley's family is telling her, it's over. Leave him. Don't, don't have anything to do with him. And Carrie's going, hey hey, I know it's dry bones, but I think God can actually do something with your marriage. I still think he actually can bring life to a place that seems like a desert right now. And Ashley ended up going to our Cultivate Women's Conference and getting more life poured over her. Then she decided, you know, I'm going to keep on coming to church, getting life poured into her. And before she knew it, she and Chris are now reconciled. And they came up to me on that marriage night with tears streaming down their face at the handiwork of God in their life. Staying connected. This is why we have this family, this local church, this body of believers, this bride of Christ. Because we're the ones 
that speak to bones and say, hear the word of the Lord. So uh, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm reading this. And again, we got these we got the valley and we got these bones that are very dry and he prophesies and he speaks but 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 it, it works like skin and flesh come on them but it doesn't like all the way work so like it worked almost i kept seeing this almost like i i almost got out of pornography I've taken some steps. I'm almost out. I'm not quite out. I'm almost out. I almost got out of depression. I almost got out of alcoholism. I almost got, got out of offense and bitterness. There's just a little bit in there that's like I made it this far, but I haven't taken that next step. Almost. My marriage almost put back together. It's not as bad as it used to be, but there's still no life in it because you can have a marriage and not have a heart. You can have a business that has a really shiny name or a company with a shiny name but have no depth. What you need, what the body still needed, the body still needed the spirit. The body still needed the breath to enter it. The body still needed the four winds to come together and to breathe into the slain. And then when that happened, it was amazing. A vast army came to life. God the whole time was after an army he wasn't after a club he wasn't after a click he wasn't after a bunch of people that would think that they're better than everybody else and they would hide and go into their corner on Sundays no he was after an army and what do armies do armies protect and armies possess that's what armies do and you and I are the army of the living God and we are called to protect the hurting and the loss and the broken and each other and then we are called to go and possess the land that belongs to God so anytime you hear somebody being sex trafficked understand that the church has been put here to be the ones that go into those places and possess that land any place on the earth where it does not quite yet look like heaven understand that we have been given the mandate to feed those who need to be fed, to love those who need to be loved, to help those that need to be helped, to redeem those that need to be redeemed, to rescue those that need to be rescued. This is the mission of the church. This is why we exist. And it's all for the glory of God. See, if God's after an army, then it's no, it's no mistake that the, the enemy is trying to neutralize the army. It's trying to neutralize the army. Don't you think it's interesting that when you start talking about how you're involved in church, how the narrative in our culture is, oh, you're probably judgmental. Oh, you probably believe this. Oh, you probably believe that. Oh, you, you kind of get put in a box and kind of be pushed aside. It's the enemy trying to neutralize the army. Don't you think it's interesting? It's not God who wants people hopping from church to church to church to church to church. That's a strategy of the enemy to try to make sure you don't stay planted and don't have any roots. But you try to you, you treat church like it's some buffet line where you can just kind of take what you want to take. But you don't give anything. You just keep on taking. That's the enemy's strategy. It's the enemy's strategy that you walk with shame and guilt and condemnation. It is not God's idea for you to walk around with that stuff on your shoulders when you fall down. God 
God wants you get to want you to get back up and be surrounded by a bunch of believers that will say, I still believe in you, and God's hand is still on your life. It's the enemy that's trying to neutralize the army. Because he knows our headquarters cannot be infiltrated. God's on his throne. He is strong and mighty. But these operating bases here on the earth, these churches, these forward operating bases, this is where the enemy tries to get in and bring division and discord and try to get us off track and make all of this community seem optional. It is a ploy from the pit of hell to try to neutralize the army. But I want to announce to you today, Shoreline City will not be neutralized and neither will the overall church of Jesus Christ. We will not be neutralized. We will be the hands and feet of Jesus in our generation. That is who we will be. I'm calling on you. I'm calling on you to start speaking. Start speaking to dry bones. I know it doesn't make sense. I'm calling on you, okay? This is not my job. It's not my mandate. My mandate is actually to equip you for the work of the ministry. So what I'm trying to do here is get you ready to go out into your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and to the four corners of the world and be the hands and feet of Jesus. This is why we assemble. We don't assemble to be entertained on Sunday. We assemble so that we can advance and be all that God has called us to be. I encourage you to get your edge back. Get your fight back. Get your tenacity back. Don't think Christianity means soft or coward. It means warrior and follower. It means I battle. It means I stand when I don't want to stand. It means I trust when it doesn't even seem like I should trust. It seems like it means I, I pray when I don't want to pray. It means I worship when I don't want to worship. It means I keep going after God even when everybody else around me is telling me to stop. It means you and I are the hands and feet of Jesus. You're on mission. Everyone can quit. It takes a spirit of the living God to fill you up and to help you put one foot in front of the other so you can fulfill the call of God upon your life. You are chosen and some of us have been confused, but I pray your eyes are open wide today to who you are. And what God has called you to be. If you wouldn't mind here and at every location, bow your head just for a moment. I ask you to bow your heads just so you can focus for a second. If you're under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first in your life. But you're under the sound of my voice today. You're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. You don't want to be first in your life. You want him to be first. I'm going to ask you to do something simple, but something incredibly bold on the count of three. I want you shooting your hand in the air saying, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to surrender or re-surrender my life to serving him. His grace is here right now. His forgiveness is here and he is ready to make you new. On the count of three, shoot that hand in the air. One, two, three. Just hands going up all over every location. Individuals saying, yes, I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make him first. I'm not going my own way anymore. I want to go his way. Brand new start today. Fresh beginning. I'm going to ask everyone at every location, do me a favor, put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today 
I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Lift our heads up. Let's clap our hands with enthusiasm. Come on, church family.